Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, it's great to be here this morning. I just really feel I want to share this word that I believe God has given to me. And it's a, it's a two-part series, I would call it, uh, of just something I want to focus on today. And uh, some of you may have seen the Facebook post, but the, <clears throat> the title of the series is Mastermind. And this first part of the message is called Mind Your Head. Mind Your Head. I want to talk today to you just for a short while about our minds and being a Christian and dealing with your mind. Our minds are a very powerful thing, aren't they? Because we use them every day, we use them to make decisions and think things through. But sometimes a lot of stuff can go into our minds that doesn't help us on our Christian walk. In fact, sometimes people would say that they don't feel like a Christian because of what's in their minds. It can be such a powerful thing. You might not be necessarily sinning or doing things specifically where you put into action something practical, but your mind can be full of so much that actually sometimes it really affects your walk as a Christian. I want to talk about this this morning because I think it's a very important thing. And in Romans chapter 2, we're going to start in chapter 7 and going into 8. And I'm going to be moving a lot around Romans today and just mentioning scriptures in Romans. But I believe Paul, the Apostle Paul, has a lot to say about the mind. So I wanted to look at this and just bring out some thoughts on that. Let's start in Romans 7 verse 14. It says this. Paul says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Remember, he's talking about himself as a Christian here. He's talking about himself as a believer. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. How many understand what that feels like? We'll finish there, yeah? Verse 16, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 17, As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That doesn't sound like a Christian, does it? But he's been truthful. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Does this sound like a Pentecostal believing Christian? The evil I keep on doing, this I keep keep doing, I keep doing this all the time, he says. He says, verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Verse 24, Paul says this, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Turn with me to chapter 8, Romans 8. Verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he, that's Jesus, condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Thank you Jesus did that for us. Amen. Who did not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. When we say flesh, that means fleshly desires. Desires of the things that, uh, what, what we say when we're carnal, the things that please our flesh, please who we are as people without God in, in a spiritual sense. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. In other words, Paul here is talking about a war, a waging war, he says, against him in his mind that is, as a Christian, as a believer, I'm sure you could all agree with this today, we feel sometimes like it's just a constant battle. In fact, before you were a Christian, you never really felt this battle. If you're not a Christian today and you don't believe in Jesus and you haven't accepted Jesus into your heart, you probably don't feel this battle. Reason being is this, because if we live according to the flesh, our minds are focused on our fleshly desires, you, your spirit has not become alive. Through the things of God. When people say you need to be born again by the Spirit, it's not just a fancy term. It's not just a new fancy way of saying things. It is the truth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
Meaning that your spirit is born. For everyone who's never believed and has never accepted Jesus into their heart. It's not a fantasy. It's not something new that we've made up and we're just singing a few songs about. But it's the truth. That God's spirit can spur your spirit. Make it alive. And to come to the realization that you can live a new life. By the law of the spirit. Of life. Not of death. So I've got good news. The good news is this. For if you've never experienced Jesus. If you've never known what it is to be a Christian. This morning you can. Your spirit can come alive. And it's not my words. It's not me telling you about uh, uh, some, some stories that happened on Tuesday nights. That will spur you and make you feel good inside. It's not a song that we sing. But it's the truth of the gospel. It's the gospel that will make a man's heart change and a woman's heart change and turn them towards God. But it's the gospel that brings the spirit alive. And all of a sudden you realize that your spirit can live a life that is for God. Without that you cannot do anything. We all need Jesus. And it's such a good news today. People, we we go on the streets and we say, do you know we've got some good news for you? And it's not that we're telling them some few stories about Jesus saying, oh, you know, he did this and he did that. We're saying, do you realize you can have him live inside of you right now? And he will show you a different way. I can't. I cannot encourage you enough that when I gave my heart to God, when I gave everything to him, what he's done for me inside, the eyes of my heart were opened. And I want to talk to you today about this battle in our minds because you might say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to know the battle. Let me tell you this. When I became a Christian, not long after, I was already seeing, not many people had seen this, but I was seeing demons come out of people. I was seeing the power of Jesus' name in action, activated, and people being set free. And it made me realize one thing, how powerful Jesus' name was, but secondly, that there is an enemy. There is an enemy out there just seeking to destroy. And I'm so thankful today that I know Jesus. And you know what? This good news is not about you signing some papers and and trying to become some special person. But this good news that I'm talking about today is about faith in Jesus. That's all it is. Paul said all the way through the early part of Romans, before he got to this point, he spoke about the justification by faith. That's what he talks about. The first part of Romans is all about the, he's describing the justification by faith. In other words, it's a freebie. All you got to do is believe. All you have to do, don't try doing it by yourself. Don't try being some godly person with a halo above your head. Because that's just useless. I can tell you now that already, today, this morning, I'll have sinned. I'll have done things wrong, thought things wrong in my mind. There is a constant battle. But I'm telling you today that there is good news. Because the battle in my mind, I know who's the victor. I know who's the winner and I'm going to be on the winning side. When we become Christians, our minds become the greatest battlefield you'll ever know. Because the enemy is right there. He doesn't want you to know the good news. He doesn't want you to know this. So it's going to be a battle. When we're a Christian, we become very conscious of this. 
Now for those today who are here and you're saying, I know what it feels like every single day. I just feel like I'm in a battle. There's things I think about that I would not dare anyone to know about. If they knew what I thought, if they knew the things that were going along in my, along in my mind, never mind the things I do. But if they knew these things that are in my mind, the thought processes, I don't feel like a Christian. In fact, you feel so bad. But Paul said, didn't he? He says, I do the things I don't want to do. Why is it I keep doing the things I don't want to do? And I feel rubbish, in other words. Paul could have left it there. He could have said, I keep doing these things. Do you know what? The Christian life, it's not, it's pointless because I just feel rubbish. He said, I'm a wretched man. But at the end of verse 25, he said this, I know that it's Jesus who sets me free. I want us to look today at the nature of this battle over our minds. What's going on in our heads is very important. And how we deal with it as Christians and in your workplace tomorrow, it's not just about when you're sitting here singing some songs. The key to Christian life is when you get into work tomorrow, isn't it? When the temptations come, when you're on your own at home, and some, some people here, when you're on your own and you're challenged and there's temptations come and you want to do certain things and you're ashamed to tell people of them. But let me tell you, you're in good company because Jesus knows our hearts. He knows the hidden things behind every single person in here. I don't know all your ins and outs, but he knows every single thing. And you're in the best company. That's why it's good to be in church. Some people say, yeah, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to meet. I'm going to float around and I'm going to visit places and do this and that. The reason why you need to be around people is to encourage each other because we're all in this battle together. That's why. People say, what's the point in coming to church? I'll just listen online. No, you need to be around people because iron sharpens iron. People sharpen people. People help people. People, if you're real about your Christian walk, will be honest and say, do you know what? I'm struggling. i got this problem. These things keep coming. If we're honest with each other. But we sometimes, we get into this, we heard it many times in, in messages, this mask type religion where we walk along hiding and we're trying to, we know that people can't see what's in our minds, so we hide it. So we think, we, well, we can just prove that, we can just pretend that we're doing this good Christian thing, but no one can really see what's going on inside my mind. And do you know what happens after so long? We end up living a life of sin behind the scenes. And eventually, We find it hard when someone comes along and says that you are forgiven. First thing I want us to look at before I get into it is that when Jesus said your sins are forgiven, they were. I tell you, the enemy doesn't want you to know that. That's the biggest thing, that your sins are forgiven. When the paralyzed man was brought down, when he was lowered into that room, you remember what he said to the the people in there. He said, which is easier? To heal and to say to to this man to get up and walk or to say your sins are forgiven. In other words, Jesus was saying that people, you find it hard to believe that legs grow. People find it easier to believe of a man who is crippled getting up and standing up than that Jesus can forgive sin. It was almost like he knew that the weight of sin on people's minds and their lives was far greater than the weight that took a, a man lame to a bed. In other words, Jesus says today, it's so hard for you sometimes to grasp 
It's almost like we live in this impossibility that sin has just put us down on this bed of illness that we cannot ever get up again. It's greater than any illness because we feel so rubbish inside. But Jesus says that, as he said then, he said, it's easier to forgive sin for me. I can forgive. He had the power to forgive sin. The other thing I want to look at is the awareness of a battle reveals the reality of God's kingdom. Job was a man who loved God. You read the book of Job. I'm not going to read it all today. There's lots of chapters there to read. But right at the very beginning, if you read the very beginning of the book of Job, he was a man, it says, who was blameless and upright. He loved God. And in this story of Job, it says that it shows Satan wants to attack Job. God gives him access to him. He says, don't touch his flesh, but you can have access to him. And he takes things away from him. Satan attacks this man. But I'm telling you, if you're not in a place where you're not feeling this battle, then you're probably not really doing much for God. The more you get closer to God, the more you accept his forgiveness, the more you understand what it is to receive Jesus and to live that life, that's when you start feeling the battle. Because the enemy comes in. And he wants to take everything from you. The awareness of a battle will reveal the reality of his kingdom. And the truth of God's word I've put here reveals the truth of freedom. John 8 verse 32, Jesus says, You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how do we overcome this battle in our mind? How do we overcome this That you're thinking, well, what's the answer? How do I deal with this? Should I be having a battle? Should I be thinking bad thoughts? Some of you already know that tomorrow morning when you go in to work or wherever you go, there's things that tempt you. There's things that plague your mind and you're challenged at every single avenue. And you think, is it worth it? Should I feel like this? The first thing today is I want to say is to spot the enemy. Romans 7 verse 21 to 23. Paul said, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. In other words, he loves reading his every day with Jesus when he gets up first thing. He loves reading his word for today. He delights in God's law. But he says, I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind. In other words, he says, I get up in the morning, I feel so good when I get my coffee and I have a bit of prayer time and I I give this little bit of time to God and I'm just, I get in the car or I get wherever I go, I put my earphones on and I'm just buzzing because I just love Jesus and I've had such a good Sunday and really enjoying things and God's doing so much in my life. Then you get into work. And all of a sudden, you do something or you see something and the enemy is right there. And you end up doing something that you didn't want to do, that you wish you hadn't done, that you've been praying to God about before and you're already in the trap and you think, is it worth it? And that's sometimes a trap we get ourselves in. Why is it, Paul says, I delight in God's law, but yet he doesn't always fulfill it. How many of you feel like that today? You feel, you absolutely love the Bible. 
You love what you're reading. You love what you're hearing. But sometimes you find it so difficult and it's like you never, it's like the way you act is not the way you believe. What is it about this? We're so 100% convinced with the gospel of what we read, but yet sometimes we just don't live like it. I'm going to show you something just in a minute. Just a little game test thing. and We'll bring it up in, in, in just a second. But before, before I do, I want to just a raise of hands. of anyone who saw recently, there was a viral um, kind of image that went around online recently. Um, it went on the internet of a dress on Facebook, I think. But it went all around the internet. It was, it was actually posted on Twitter. And it was this dress that was a certain color. I'm not going to say any more than that. Is that, you see, put your hand up if you see this. Yeah, you see a lot of people saw it. We're going to bring that image up right now. It's going to come up. Is it there? There we go. This is the dress. This picture was posted on Twitter, I think, or something like that, or a blog. And someone, I believe it was the bride, uh, she was describing her bride's mum's dress, what she was going to wear for the wedding or whatever. I don't know the ins and outs, but this is the picture that went up. Simple picture, took on the phone in a shop of a dress, and it went all over the internet. The reason it went all over the internet is because of this. It's because people started to look at this picture and see different colors. Now, I'm going to ask, who wants to do the test? Who, who, who's all, Right. You, you stand up, both you two. Anyone else? Lady at the back, they stand up. Right, I want you to tell me, what, what colour do you see there on that dress? Black and blue. Black and blue. Does anyone disagree with that? You disagree. What do you see? Black and blue. Black and blue. What, what do you see? Gold and white. Same. Gold and white. Already we're getting a bit of arguments going on. Anyone else? Anyone see Orange. Rob, what do you see? You're a man of God. Sorry? Gold and white, Rob. Blue and brown, wow. We need to get these screens changed. Sorry? Blue and wine, wow. Okay, so what do you see, Emma? We've already had this argument. We always argue about this. I normally see gold and white, but that's definitely black and blue, so I think you've chosen a dodgy picture. It's amazing what you can do with Photoshop. I'm just trying to settle the argument. You see, we had this picture come up, and probably if you look at the screens there, you might see it different. This screen's not very good here. The reason I'm showing this, why am I showing this picture? What's it got to do with today? The reason I'm showing is this. When we saw the picture, and Emma showed me this picture, and we were in the house, we disagreed completely. Then there was other people in the house saying, well, I see white and gold. Then other people saying, I see blue and black. The thing is, when me and Emma saw it, I could not for the life of me see why she could see white and gold. I wanted to argue all day to, to say, listen, I've worked in, in images and colors for many years, and I know what is blue and black. She, and she said, no, it's white and gold. I said, no, it's blue and black. And that's why this picture went all around the world. We were so adamant. We would not change our minds. We knew what we could see. And she would not change her mind. I wanted her to say, I really wanted to say, yeah, okay. It's blue and black. It's not white and gold. Why am I showing you this? Because today it's the same. You read the Bible, you read the word of God. It is so clear to you what it is. 
He's so clear to you what the gospel is and the truth of the gospel that you look at it and you're adamant, you know in your mind, but sometimes one hour later after reading it, you change your mind. No longer is it blue and black that you were so adamant over, but now it's white and gold. Now it's changed and now you're doing differently to what you believed in. See, I know that apart from this screen being a little bit dodgy, Emma will not change her mind to blue and black. She's adamant. She knows what it is in her mind. The reason you see the different colors is because it's an optical illusion on our eyes. The mind plays very powerful tricks sometimes. But let me tell you this. That when we're adamant about something, when we're strong on something, why is it with the word of God we delight in, in God's laws, we delight in his word as Paul said. But yet, we know it's truth, we're 100% convinced of it. But sometimes it's like we walk away and within minutes, we can change our mind. I don't know if that's you today. But I, I want to tell you that, join the club. I'm not saying to anyone, why is it you do this? Why is it you do this and do that? But I'm saying today is that this is why Paul expressed this issue. That you delight in a law that's been put in your heart by the Spirit of God. But remember, there is an enemy who's trying to question everything that you've looked at. He's trying to question everything that you are so convinced of. He's trying you to question it so that you change your mind. And know today that the thing that you saw that you're so convinced of, stay strong to that. Stay strong to the knowledge of his word. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. That's what he's like. When Job was upright and blameless, Satan was his number one target. He was looking for him to change his mind. To change the way he perceived God. When we're saved, it's true to say that some of the old passions will come back to haunt us. Some of the things that you used to have problems with before you were saved are going to come back. You will recognize them. Don't think Jesus washes us clean from sin. And he changes as he gives us passions and new desires for new things. But don't you realize that the enemy will use the things of your past, the things that used to get you the most, because he knows these are the things that are going to draw you back away. So you need to be ready. Sometimes we blame the devil. We even blame God sometimes for tempting us. We said it before here, the, the story that someone once said that someone saw Satan sat outside on the step, the devil... And they went out of church and he was crying outside. I said, what are you crying for? He says, they're blaming me for everything in there and I haven't done everything. It's true. Sometimes we blame, it's easy to blame the devil for over everything. But listen, James 1, 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But verse 14, but each person, listen, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The truth is this, that you, most of the time, I'm not saying that Satan can't come and really get involved and send his demons and, and things to, to try and pull us away. I believe that's true. But what I'm saying is this, majority of the time, you, can, you do the work for him. Because you're enticed by your own lusts and desires. You're enticed by the things that God, that the, the enemy knows. Ah, you used to have a problem with that. I'm just going to keep whispering or I'm just going to leave you to it. But the more I can challenge you to challenge God's word to not believe in it, the more you're going to be enticed by these kind of things. So what do we need to do? We should acknowledge that there is an enemy, spot the enemy, but we should also acknowledge our weakness. It's true to say we're all weak in some way. We've all got weaknesses inside and every one of you today thinking, I know my weakness. I don't really want to tell anyone, but I know what it is. We need to bring these things to God. Because he said, Paul, he said, if you live according to the flesh, if you live according to these things, you will die. The wages of sin is death. The ultimate is death. But he said, but if by the Spirit, Romans 8, 13, you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. In other words, he doesn't just reveal the enemy and show you this battle, but he says, I'm going to give you the ability by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of your body. In other words, you've got the tools as well. You're not just left there exposed as to this is the battle, but you're given an opportunity. Jesus said, when he was just about to go to the cross in the garden, he asked his guys to pray with him. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, the spirit is willing. We want to pray, but sometimes you're tired out and you, your flesh is weak. And I want to encourage you today that we need to bring these things in prayer before God. Be honest with God. Be honest with him about your problems and your weaknesses. Confess these things to God. And also be repentant. There's no point just telling Jesus these things. I'm sorry. I used to think when I was young to be repentant just means say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm telling you, we are sorry so many times in our house. I don't know. It's just like, we say, please say sorry. And they say sorry. And I'm thinking, that's not good enough, is it? Go on the naughty mat. They love the naughty mat now. I think they, they live there that long. I think they built a little garden there and, you know. What is this naughty mat? Sometimes they've asked if they can go on the naughty mat. Sometimes I feel like going there myself. It's a bit quieter. But sorry is just not enough. To be repentant means we turn from our sin. We turn from the things. We turn away. And you can only turn away by the power of the Spirit inside of you. God has given every Christian, if you're a believer today, he's given you the ability by the Spirit's power to say no. Yeah, I've made a mistake this morning. I've done these things wrong. But no, I'm not going to have this. I'm going to change. I'm going to be stronger because I have the Spirit of God living inside of me. Hallelujah. There is a way. And I want to encourage you today. Don't feel bad tomorrow when you go to work and you're struggling or whatever you're doing. Whatever your life is tomorrow. Don't feel that you have messed up by lunchtime and you think, there's no point. I'm just, do you know what? Best way is to just submit and just, 
just, just do what I like doing. Because the more you do that, the more you will walk away from his righteousness. Number two today, see your true position. See your true position. Romans 7.24, Paul said this, I'm wretched. I'm a wretched man. And then he said, he asked the big question, the big million dollar question that I see people, when I go out to the streets and I give the gospel and I talk to people about Jesus, I, 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 I tell them about sin. Sometimes it's very different. Every conversation is different. But the question is this, that Paul said, he was a Christian, he said, who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? But verse 25, thankfully he got it. He said, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when we go out to the streets and I talk to people about Jesus, I tell them sometimes, I said, do you know you're a sinner? Most people have got no idea that you're a sinner to start with anyway. They don't believe they're sinning. You see, the reason why there's a law, the Ten Commandments were not just brought today for you to try and fulfill. You will never fulfill the Ten Commandments. It's it's an impossibility. We said that everything is possible through God. We sing these songs. Do you know why it's possible through God? Because God can fulfill the Ten Commandments through his son. You will never, ever fulfill them. So what's the purpose of the law? Romans talks a lot about it. The purpose of the law is to reveal sin. In other words, for you to see that I can't do it. It's impossible. It's just so hard that I get through to morning first break and... I just feel like I've failed three of them already. Then you get to the next day and you think, I'm going to try again. Because today I've I, I read and I prayed and I fasted a little bit longer. And now I feel even really fired up. There's nothing's going to stop me. And then poof, it changes again. You failed another commandment. The reason is the law will reveal the truth. It reveals sin. It makes you aware that actually you cannot do it. There goes the free gift. That you can be free from sin. You surrender to God. Paul gives this truth. We read it earlier. The truth is this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, the Ten Commandments have no power over you anymore. However much you failed them, however much you look bad against them. The truth is this, that when you are a child of God, you're no longer a slave to sin and fear. You're no longer this slave to the Ten Commandments trying to fulfill them. Because he says, my righteousness is yours, son, daughter. Everything I have, I give to you. Do you realize all you need to do is believe and know it in your mind? Remember it. Remind the enemy. Remind the enemy that the victory is won. Where, O death, is your sting? There is no victory over you if you believe in Jesus because his righteousness is yours. It's yours. There is no condemnation. The good news today is that we are set free from it. 1 John 5 verse 5. It says this. Who is it that overcomes the world? 
Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but many of us today, I don't know if you ever buy anything and you go online, one of the things I cannot stand is when I get to the, when I buy something and it asks me to read terms and conditions. And you, sometimes the scrolling, it just seems to go forever. You just think, can't they have a button that says, I'm happy to just accept and flick down quickly and you do an automatic checkbox for me and then we'll just go ahead. And But you have to, they want to know you've scrolled. They know you're not reading it. They really know. I'd look, there must be a camera watching us to say, that, look, he's not reading it. Look how, how quick he's reading. Put anything you want in these terms and conditions, they just scroll through them and press accept. The majority of people just want to click to buy the item and get on with their lives. They don't want to read the small print. But how many of you know this, that as soon as there's the problem with the product you've bought, that's when you're interested in the terms and conditions. Oh, you want to read through with your magnifying glass. Everything stops then. You need to find the clause that's going to help you out so that you can be on the winning side. So now you're looking through the T's and C's trying to find that clause that says that you're eligible to send a product back or something without having to pay. Or where is this clause? I know it's in there. You see, we never want to do it before. And we just tick the box. But afterwards, we're looking for it. And that's what it's like for some of us today. Do you know what? When Jesus, when the truth of Jesus comes to you, the gospel, do you know what? You don't need to, you don't need to read through any terms and conditions. It is so good. The gift is so good. It's free. There's no cost. You will just want to sign on the dotted line. I know I've been in meetings where people run to the front to get saved. I'm telling you, I've seen people wanting to run to the altar to give their lives to Jesus. Because the good news I'm talking about isn't a fantasy. It will change your life forever. And I've seen people eager to get down. They're not bothered. They don't want to understand all the knowledge first and read in the Bible and say, wait a minute, I want to read all the Bible and understand all the T's and C's about what it is to have a relationship with God. People do not do that. The reason why is this, because this relationship we have with Jesus is not about knowledge. It's not about how much you know in the Bible. It's about a relationship through the Spirit. Therefore, you want to sign on the dotted line straight away. You'll understand things later. But do you know what? Many of us receive this good news. We run, we click the button, we say, this is amazing, this. Free? I need something free in my life. If there's anyone who needs something free, it's me. I'm a good, I'm a person for a bargain. The gospel to me is just unbelievable. The fact that you can have it for free. That Jesus paid the price for me free. All I have to do is just accept. Accept. I don't even need to look at any T's and C's. This is just amazing. This is amazing grace. How sweet the sound. How quick the click. That was good, wasn't it? And we accept it. We want it so quickly. But let me tell you, there's many of us today. Who we get saved, we clicked quickly. And years on, we start to spend our lives going through the T's and C's. Trying to find, surely there's something wrong in my life. I feel rubbish. I'm a wretched person. This can't be real. This can't be real. 
what that person said to me that day when I ran out to the front and I, and I accepted quickly, this is, it's too good to be true. This is not good enough. There's got to be a clause. There's got to be something in this. There's got to be a catch. So we spend our lives reading the Bible, not for relationship, but trying to find the reason why we feel bad. To find an excuse for it. And we're trying to find, it's like we're trying to trip God up to say, yeah, there it is. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't this easy. And we spend our lives trying to do that because we feel rubbish inside. But remember what Paul said, a Christian, a believer, an apostle. He said, I keep doing things I don't want to do. These things, I keep doing them. But I delight in God's law and I'm in this battle and of this mind. But I want to say to you today, that if you're looking at the T's and C's, there is one term and condition I want to point you to this morning. It's clause Romans 10 verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all you've got to remember. That's it. There's the TNC. I'll save you years and months of trying to find a problem with the gospel of why you feel poor inside. Because if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. It's simple. Finally, I'm going to move quickly. We should submit to God. We should submit to God. As well as prayer, we should submit to him. If you want to, rather than just looking and seeing the truth in the word, you need to submit your life, everything you are to him. Run to him. The one who's in the battle, the one who is on the winning side, run to him and submit to him. The repentant heart. The repentant heart is the one that has their mind set on the things of the spirit. I've seen people who, they talk the talk, but really they're not repenting. They talk the talk. They say they are. But really it's not the truth. A true repentant heart that turns away from sin. One that is focused on God. Has their mind set on God. You see Paul said this. In Romans 8 5 he said. Those who live according to the flesh. Have their minds set. This this thing again, the mind, this problematic thing that's ra- things racing around sometimes in our minds. He says they have their mind set. Do you understand what that means? The ones who have their mind set, they're really just focused on one thing, their flesh or the spirit. The King James says, for they, they're after. They're after these things. They want the things of the flesh, not the things of the spirit. But I want to tell you, you need to be truthful with yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself, honest with others, and honest with God. James 4, verse 7 to 10, he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. (laughs) There it is. Resist him. I know it's not always that easy. But resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
James describes these people here as double-minded. In other words, when you are not living true to one of the sides of the battle, do you know what you're doing? You're living on the middle. You are double-minded. You cannot enjoy church or your Christian life because you've got too much sin in your life. And you've got so much of Jesus in your life. You can't enjoy church and do the things you want to do because you're right in the middle on the fence. What does it say in Revelation? It talks about those who are lukewarm. It's better to be hot or cold, one or the other, so you can identify in the battle who you're serving. But if you're lukewarm in the middle, bitter sin, bitter church, bitter God, he says, it's a fat, how many knows if you turn the tap on and you have some lukewarm water, you want to spit it out for some reason, you just don't like it. Lukewarm is not good. So many of us today, we're double-minded. We've got too much of one thing and we can't enjoy our Christian walk because there's too much sin. And you know you can't even enjoy sin too much when you go out and do the things you're not supposed to do because there's too much God in your life. You're right in the middle. Are you double-minded today? You can't enjoy your Christianity. At the beginning when you accept Jesus, the black and white of sin is so clear. But eventually for you, it becomes grayscale. It becomes in the in-between. And we can't see the defining difference between the two. Some small sins in our life become acceptable. We start to think, do you know what? A little lie here and there, that's not going to hurt. Why? Since when has it hurt anyone? Do you know my dad used to say this to me uh, at his work? Do you know all the years, and I'm not, I'm not bigging my dad up, but when I was gr- growing up, there's not one time, not one time I can ever remember my dad lying. Ever. To me. Not one tiniest thing to the tiniest thing he never did. And do my mum and dad, they were very strong on this. And the, the reason why is in work, people used to say to my dad, you don't, you don't lie over the tiniest thing. He says, if I lie over the tiniest thing, how are you ever going to believe me on the big things? If I don't show you in the tiniest, how are you going to believe me in anything? Because the moment I give in and I, give any, and I don't, don't speak truth, how can you ever accept me as someone truthful? If we can give in like that on the tiniest things, And I want to encourage you today, don't let the enemy come in and try to fool you into thinking and that you begin to, as you don't submit to God, you get in the middle on the fence. And you start to see things in in between as grayscale. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, Paul says this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you've got bad thoughts whirling around in your head, if you've got things that you've not executed as sin, if there's things going on, lustful desires, challenges, things going on in your mind that you know you shouldn't be feeling as a Christian, these are the things that Paul talked about. If you've got these things swirling around in your head, he says take every thought and make them captive to Christ. Because your battle is not with flesh and blood. It is with the spirit. 
You have a battle going on, but by the Spirit of God, he gives you the ability, by his Spirit, to take these thoughts captive and give them to Christ. There it is. Submit to God. Run to him. Confess your sins to him. You know, I've seen in certain churches, in, in the, I think it, People go into the boxes, don't they? And they confess their sin. And sometimes we say as born again believers, we say, ah, well, I'm not sure you should do that. You know, we should be just confessing to Jesus. I don't see the point in telling the priest everything. Let me tell you this, that they have something good to teach us because we need to start confessing our sins with each other. Having accountability people around you. It's good to have people around you that are account- you can be accountable to. Not only honest with yourself, but if you're going to submit, submit to God and submit to your mate as well. Submit to your friend who you can be accountable to. You can say, do you know what? I'm struggling in certain areas. I've got this issue. Believe you and me, I'm telling you, you'll find this out. The more you talk to people and confess with other people, choose someone who you want to be accountable to or you want to share this with. But you'll find that they have their own struggles too. If they don't, then there's a problem. Then there's something going on that's not just right. But I believe that we can get strength by being accountable to one another, confessing our sins, being honest with each other, and being honest towards God. Submit to God and submit to your friend. Tell him, because we want to protect ourselves from the enemy. Amen? Confess your sins to each other, says James 5, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.